Yo, this Blaze, you dead homie. This is Shady Matt Rock. This be the one them called Tech Nine. Yo, what up? This is Shaq's Two Dope from Insane Cloud Posse. This is the genius Chris Kellogg. What up? It's Zemo Skeet. This is Rich White Jesus. It's the Kid Mercury. This is Slain. Dragon Eyes Necros. Project Born. Mad Child. Your boy Jerry. Bitted. Welcome to the underground, Australia's home of rap, metal, and alternative music. Catching up with Tino from Of Mice and Men on the underground. It is Ned. Tino, how are you, man? Doing great, man. Happy to be here. Man, love the backdrop that you've got there, too. The drum kit and everything in the background, yeah? Thank you, man. Yeah, this is my little home studio here where the where the magic of the last two albums was created. <laughs> Oh, I love that right there. And actually, I wanted to ask you, Tino, what sort of made you get into drumming? Like, if we throw back to the start, how, why did you decide drumming? Well, I've played musical instruments my whole life. My first instrument was violin, then moved to piano, then played saxophone, then learned guitar and then bass. And I was like, well, I think I need to learn drums now if I can, <laughs> you know, and it was kind of like my fun instrument where I didn't really take too many lessons. I should have, and I will say to anybody, take drum lessons, learn how to do it. I kind of did the trial by fire, but I think it turned out all right. <laughs> well, most definitely um, did. And and just hearing what you're saying there, Tino, like it sounds like you could do the whole Dave Grohl thing, write your own album. Like, Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I do write some songs for the band. We all kind of contribute musical ideas and because I can play most instruments, I definitely have a, a fun time trying to actualize the concepts that I hear in my head. And because I've played music my whole life, I have a pretty decent musical vocabulary as far as being able to play and compose and do all that stuff. But it didn't come without, you know, decades of practice. <laughs> but um, I, I do love what I do and I do love making music. And it's not only a passion of mine, but it's all I like to do. Like it's my hobby. It's my, uh, you know, I'm, I'm never not working. <laughs> so yeah. I'm always working on music somehow, some way. It's just, thankfully we have such an amazing audience of fans that allows us to do that. And it's because of them that are, Songs have gone gold in the United States and we're on our eighth album, still being able to write. We're self-producing now, self-recording. It's an incredible thing that we couldn't have done without the support of our fans. And it's something that I am forever grateful to them for allowing us the opportunity to do all this. Yeah, that is amazing right there, Tino. And just just amazing that you were a jack of so many trades and growing up, you are playing the violin and that sort of thing. Who were your biggest musical influences then? Rage Against the Machine has probably been my favorite band since I was, I don't know, when, since Evil Empire came out in 96. Yeah. So, I mean, that album changed my life. I was a huge Led Zeppelin fan before that. And uh, Tom Morello is probably my favorite guitarist of all time. And Brad on the drums. I, I love a just a thick beat, you know what I mean? And yeah. for me, it's not all about technicality, even though my maybe some of my drumming compositions would lead you to believe otherwise. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, I, I would I would definitely have to say, you know, Led Zeppelin, Rage Against the Machine, probably like Green Day. You know what I mean? Yeah. I've been listening to them pretty much my whole life. And a lot of it is, you know, Foo Fighters too, Nirvana, Dave Grohl, huge influence. Yeah. But I like music that I can 
figure out how to play. You know what I mean? Like a, a lot of stuff is, you know, I'll never forget when I first heard Slipknot, like I was like, <laughs> humans cannot play this. Like there's, they are <laughs> monsters from another world and do this. I could never, you know what I mean? And, and I think in a lot of ways I try and when I write and when we write for Of Mice and Men, we like to create music that is digestible. You know what I mean? That's yeah. not the most extreme, crazy stuff, but it's something that it's choosing the right musical vocabulary to deliver what you're trying to say and what you hear in your head. And I think through many, many years of practice and dedication and writing together, we're able to do that now better than we ever have in the past. And I think that's kind of why we started self-producing. We've gotten to, you know, we couldn't have done it without working with some of the greatest producers of modern rock in the 21st century. But because we've worked with such amazing producers who are great coaches on how to create music and how to capture the right vibes and use the right musical vocabulary and to be able to push us, we've been able to implement those things that we've learned into now how we write, how we practice, how we compose stuff. And I think it's an, it's an exciting time, I guess, for us. And, it, and it's given us here on our eighth album, which is Tether, to be able to take that leap and do it ourselves has been just hugely gratifying. You know what I mean? And, and yeah. hugely like in a way of being able to create something all on our own and with the help of technology and, you know, where computers are at these days and where just everything is, we don't need to spend crazy amounts of money and time in studios being away from our families. We can do it right here from home, file share, share screen, share the projects. We all work on the yeah. same project files and stuff like that. And it just kind of makes it easy. And that doesn't come, like I said, without practice and persistence and dedication, but it is something that uh, we've really, really enjoyed doing and seeing the music connect with the audience so well this deep into our career is, I mean, we couldn't ask for anything more, but I think it's a testament to, we write music about what we're going through. You know, our music is yeah. very honest. It's it's about stories that, that we're experiencing as part of this human experience. And it's something that, you know, we all go through the same things. You know, we're all human. We all deal with loss and we all deal with, you know, needing to reinvigorate yourself or challenge yourself in the face of adversity and stuff like that. And we just write honest music. And I think that when we're able to do it completely ourselves, we're really showing what we go through and and not that not the producers don't or tell us to do something different you know they they all they've always told us you know you got to write from the heart you got to let it out you got to you know use the music as your voice and i think that our audience really knows that and that's what they've come to love about the band is because it's it's all part of this experience that we all deal with you know we're we're not mm. special we're just like everybody else we're just really well rehearsed musicians that use music as a tool to be able to communicate our experiences with the world. Yeah, 100% hear what you're saying there, Tino, and it has been a monster couple of years for you guys, like releasing Echo in 2021 and, and Tether, like you were just touching on there in 2023. Mm -hmm. And like you're saying that you guys are producing it yourself. Do you think that's the reason why you have been able to push it out so consistently is because like you're doing a lot of the work from home and totally. uh, self-producing? 
Totally. And it's it's something where in the past, like we would have to book out studio time and it starts yeah. and ends at a certain date. And it has to be done by then because we don't have access to the studio after that because the studio gets booked up by other bands. Now yeah. we do everything from home. So we're able to have the sessions last as long as we need them to. My drums are always set up. You know, they're yeah. always they're always ready to go. If I have a new and better idea for a song, I can lay it down, send it to Aaron, he'll throw it into the project and it's good to go, you know, or if new guitar part gets written or even a whole new song, you know, like the sessions are always open. They're never closed. They only close once we turn in the masters to the label. Yeah. <laughs> but other than that, you know, it, it was a cool experience. It was a little daunting at first. And, you know, we were definitely apprehensive because we've never done it like that before. But we showed the label our demos and they're like, cool, when can we put this out? And we're like, no, they're just demos. And they're like, no, these are good. And we were like, <laughs> are they? Whoa, you mean this is good enough? Wow, well, we'll make them even better then. And that's kind of where we got with all this. And it's been really cool. You know, it's a, it's a hugely gratifying process to be able to work on something start to finish with each other and be able to put it out and know that it is 110% done by us. You know what I mean? Even as far as like the artwork for Tether, I painted all that, you know, like- Oh, I'm, really? There you the go. The t-shirts, I'm designing all the t-shirts. You know what I mean? Like it's, we took this time where we weren't touring and the world was kind of shut down and starting to reopen and all that stuff to really refocus the ethos of the band and to kind of become the best version of ourselves that we can be. And through challenges and adversities, we use music and we use creativity to help bail us out of all that stuff. You know what I mean? And, and to yeah. be able to use our musical voice to maybe in turn help other people or at least give them something enjoyable to listen to. Yeah, it was a very scary time, the whole COVID lockdowns and mm -hmm. all that sort of thing. And, it, and especially, I've said it to many guests in the past about being in the entertainment industry, it's sort of like it, it affected you guys the most. So right. I can I can only imagine, like, did, it, did you ever think, oh, wow, the world might not open back up and what you might do, Tino? A hundred percent. Yeah, man. I mean, in my mind, it, it's never a question. It's always music. You know what I mean? It's yeah. always doing something creative. That's what I've spent my my entire life doing and it's a decision that comes at a cost you know what i mean like it's yeah. it's about being away from family for extended periods of time on tour and recording albums away from them and now we've we wanted to kind of like refocus the ethos of the band to we can still be productive if we're not out on tour or if we're not booking studio time or if we're doing stuff like it's kind of like up the ante a little bit for us to be able to challenge ourselves to be more creative on a day-to-day -day basis instead of like oh well, i'm just gonna play video games and hang out until yeah. we go to the studio and then i'll start work but now it's kind of like a work every day type situation we're always writing, we're always trying to do something creative, work on something for the band, whether it's, you know, like I said, like designing t-shirts or designing tour posters or anything like that. Like for me, it's always something to keep myself busy and to keep my brain working in a creative way. And I think it just that the whole lockdown and everything allowed me personally to refocus my creativity in ways that maybe I hadn't done in the past and use, use the tools that I've learned through 
through, you know, like I went to college to be a graphic designer back in the early 2000s and uh, I never finished because I started touring and yeah. <laughs> dropped out and you know it's this it's the time old tale of the dropout musician but <laughs> to be able to utilize those skills and to be able to flex those creative muscles now it was something really important if music and live touring is taken away from us well we're still musicians we can still play music we can still create music we can still do everything if we can't go on tour, we can still be creative. We can still work on stuff. It, it kind of just reshaped how we look at what we do. And it also made touring that much more special, you know, like it's so long overdue for us to come out to Australia and oh, like, yeah. we're, it's going to be a dream. Like it's seriously, like it's our dream to go and play out there more. And for us to be headlining, coming out there with dream on dreamer and Sienna skies, it's just nothing is ever taken for granted ever again you know, for us. And, and it's kind of hard when you've been a band for 14 years and sometimes the lifestyle is not always, you know, a lot of people say it's a dream, but it doesn't come without its challenges and being away from family and friends and life, you know, life kind of gets put on pause when we're on tour. Yeah. And so for us, it's just like, we're not that we took things for granted, but it just made us appreciate it so much more that we're able to get out and do it again. And to be able to return to one of the most beautiful continents on the friggin' planet. We <laughs> love Australia with like all of our hearts. It's seriously one of our very, very favorite places to play. It's always beautiful, reminds us so much of California. You know what I mean? The sun, the ocean, everything yeah. like, and the fans are just absolutely incredible. And uh, we just cannot wait to get back and we'll be playing music from all the albums because it's been way too long that we've been able to do a headline tour out there. Actually, I don't I don't know if we've ever headlined out there. Maybe, maybe a long time ago, like, or around like Soundwave or something back in like 2014 or something. Yeah, like it's that. been but, a minute. Yeah, it's been a really long time. So we're, you know, really looking forward to bringing new music, old music, all the favorites, some deep cuts, some new tracks, and really kind of deliver a really memorable rock show. <laughs> yeah, I uh, cannot wait, Tina. You're going to be amazing. I just wanted to touch on your other group too while I've got you here, Lower Definition. Oh. Like, where, where do you cool. find time to fit them into things, man? <laughs> Well, they're actually working on new music right now too. So we're, we, well, we've been working on music for a while. We reunited in 2018 to celebrate the 10 year anniversary of our first and only album, The Greatest yeah. of All Lost Arts. Yeah, that's a that's a really cool thing, man. I'm, I'm happy and very grateful that you touched on that because that was my high school band. You know, that was the band oh, that cool. I, you know, that I cut my teeth, signed my first record deal with. And it's really something special to be able to reconnect with those guys, you know, going on 20 years now, man. Like we started that band in 2002 and to be able to be creative with them again is so awesome. And again, that that came with a big reality check with the lockdown to be able to focus on a lot more music and to be more creative and to flex those creative muscles. And I'm really, really excited about the music that we're creating. And it's going to be something really special when we are able to share it with the audiences. And we're also self-producing that stuff too. Yeah, nice. And yeah, it's just really cool, man. It's, it's not something that I ever expected to be doing, you know, for 20 years, but the fact that we're able to do it and we're still friends and we still 
like the same type of music and to be able to be creative in that way too is it's it's really cool and it's its own it's its own entity you know it's not something that takes away from of mice and men or anything like that because they all have jobs and lives and wives and you know stuff like that <laughs> yeah. where it's not a full-time thing like how of mice and men is so we kind of do it in our off time and in our spare time and we're always sharing ideas with each other and uh just kind of slowly working on and putting together a body of work that will most likely be sharing with the world next year at some oh, point. That's yeah, that's amazing right there. Yeah. yeah, like that's really cool. So 2024 sees some new lower definition. You've yeah, got a absolutely. whole bunch, bunch on the go with Of Mice and Men. Like you're heading out here in February, you're going to Japan as well. Mm -hmm. Is there anything else we need to know, Tino, before I let you go? Just, you know, we're just so grateful for our Australian audience. We, we couldn't be doing these shows without all of your support. We're really excited to come out there and perform for you guys. And it's seriously one of our most favorite places to play in the world. And, you know, we're just really looking forward to it. And we appreciate everyone that's bought tickets already. Those tickets and VIP are available at micetickets.com. And uh, we cannot wait to bring our music out to you and expect a really rowdy and fun show. And uh, we're going to kill it for you guys because we owe you guys. We owe <laughs> you guys some awesome memories and we will be bringing that to you. Yeah, not too long at all either, Tino. Heading our way in February, the 23rd, playing at the Lions Art Factory in Adelaide, 24th at the Metro in Sydney, the 25th at 170 Russell in Melbourne, and wrapping things up on the 27th of February at the Trifford in Brisbane. As Tino said, pick up those tickets now, the phoenix.au. They're available there as well. Thank you so much for taking time out, man. Really appreciate it. No problem. Thank you very much. And we'll see you guys soon. Yeah. This has been another presentation from the Grey Wolf Entertainment Network, greywolfentertainment.net.